God of wisdom, by your spirit, may your word be proclaimed so that we may know the good news in our hearts, in our minds, and bear witness to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ in our words and in our deeds. So quiet in us any voice but yours so that we may hear your word for us today. Amen. Well, today's scripture reading is from the 20th chapter of Luke. Now this, this passage makes more sense if you know at least three things. First, what's the context? Well, what's been happening earlier in Luke 20? The chapter starts with Jesus teaching the people in the temple and telling the good news. When the church officials came to Jesus and challenged his authority, they asked him, by what authority? Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Who is it who gave you this authority? Later in chapter 20, spies, pretending to be honest, ask a trick question. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Yes or no, right? So then our passage comes up and will tell of the third challenge to Jesus in the 20th chapter of Luke. Now that's the first thing you need to know. The second thing you need to know, or it helps to know at least, is who are these Sadducees we're talking about? We tend to think of Judaism as kind of one big group, but they had different subgroups and factions, just like we have different denominations and subgroups within the denominations. Luke tells us that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Well, that was one way that they were different from the Pharisees and other Jews. Another difference was their scripture was just the Pentateuch, the books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. They didn't hold all those 31 other books in the Hebrew scripture that we call the Old Testament. Forget Psalms and Proverbs and Prophets and Job and a bunch of other stuff. Just the first five books. Now, this passage in Luke it's the one and only time that the Sadducees show up in this gospel. But they do pop up elsewhere. For example, we know that John the Baptist did not think much of the Sadducees. In the third chapter of Matthew, we read that when John saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he did not greet them with a, you know, sort of friendly, grace and peace, I'm glad that you're here today. He didn't say that. No, he said, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. What kind of welcome was that? Hmm. And then the Sadducees also show up with the Pharisees again in the 16th chapter of Matthew, demanding a sign. Jesus warns the disciples to beware the teaching of both groups. Well, what's more important about the Sadducees is, like the Pharisees, they were opponents of Jesus. Okay, so the third thing it helps to know about this passage is Leveret Law. The 25th chapter of Deuteronomy sets forth a set of rules that basically say that if a brother dies without a son to be his heir and continue his name, then the next oldest surviving brother is supposed to marry that widow and seek to produce an heir for the dead brother so his name keeps going. Well, the brother could refuse, but if you read the rest of that chapter, there are a lot of 
There's a lot of social pressure applied to you to, to do that. Well, now, listen for the word of God in Luke chapter 20, starting at the 27th verse. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him, that is to Jesus, and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife and no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and then the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And he is God not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. <coughs> Did you hear about the young minister who was being interviewed for his very first pastor, his first church? The moderator of the public committee asked him, well, now, son, do, do you know your Bible pretty good? And the young minister said, oh, yes, sir, pretty good, pretty good. And the chairman asked him, well, now, which part do you know the best? He said, oh, I think I know the New Testament the best. So the chair says, okay, how about, how about you tell us the story of the prodigal son? And the young man said this, well, sure. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who went down to Jericho by night and fell upon stony ground and the thorns choked him half to death. <laughs> The next morning, Solomon and his wife, Gomorrah, came by and carried him down to the ark for Moses to take care of him. But as he was going through the eastern gate into the ark, he caught his hair on a limb, and he hung there 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he did hunger. And the ravens came and fed him. The next day, the three wise men came in, carried him down to the boat dock, and he caught a ship to Nineveh. <laughs> and when he got there, he, he found Delilah sitting on the wall. He said, chunk her down, boys, chunk her down. <laughs> I told you chunking was coming. Chunk her down. And they said, how many times should we chunk her down? Till seven times seven? And he said, no, till 70 times seven. And they chunked her down 490 times. 
and she did burst asunder in their midst, and they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. <laughs> and in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? <laughs> now you see what I got. Well, the committee chair jumped up, said to the committee, fellas and ladies, I think we ought to ask the church to call this fellow as our minister. He's awful young, but he sure does know his Bible. <laughs> well, it sounds like they've been reading the all mixed up Bible translation. Well, let's go back just a minute. You know, I said that there were three things you ought to know before we read this. Well, there's really a fourth. And that is, back then, men could have more than one wife. You see, that was before polygamy was ruled out by the decree that no man can serve two masters. <laughs> mm. Okay, all jokes aside, all jokes aside, what do you think heaven will be like? Will we still have gray hair? Or will we look like our much younger selves? Will we still wear glasses? And will they have to be cleaned all the time? <laughs> will we have to learn how to take harp lessons unless we have, you know, maybe you could have a, you could take a French horn, right? Will our pets come with us? Well, you may have your own questions about the afterlife. In fact, I once took a class where the minister said, the big question about heaven is always, who gets in? Well, it was a participatory class, so I held up my hand and he said, yes. I said, no, sir. The big question is who else gets in? <laughs> Most folks assume we will, too. Well, the Sadducees, they didn't really want to know the answer to their question about who's going to be the heavenly husband to the widow of seven brothers. Now, I mean, if that happened these days, we'd say, you know, I think we've got us a black widow here. <laughs> Seven husbands. We know that they didn't care about the answer because they didn't believe in the afterlife anyway. They just wanted to trip Jesus up. Now, by one author's count, Jesus, Martin Copenhaver, Jesus asked about 307 questions in the New Testament. And he was only asked about 183. And of those 183 questions he got asked, this author says he directly answered only three. The questions the Sadducees asked, I got sort of an indirect answer. In fact, in Mark's version of this event, Jesus responds first by asking the Sadducees a question. Is not this the reason you are wrong that you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Well, then Jesus explains to them, saying to them, those who belong to this age, Mary, and are given in marriage, and those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Well, I don't know about you, but this is a, that's a hard saying for me. You, you may have heard some people say, if their dog or cat's not going to be in heaven, they don't want to go. I'm not sure they thought about the alternatives, but anyway. 
Well, I have to tell you, I'm a lot more attached to my sweetie than anybody is to that kind of dog. But think about what Jesus told them. He was saying that the Sadducees were assuming that the life to come is just an extension of life as we know it. And we make the same mistake when we kind of envision the life to come as just some sort of cleaned up version of life here. You know, you won't have to wash dishes or carry out the garbage and you won't have to do this and that in a vacuum. <laughs> Thank goodness. Well, we do the same thing they do in a way. In response to the silly riddle of the one dead widow or seven dead husbands, Jesus reframes the issue. Jesus calls the trickery, the tricksy Sadducees and us. Jesus calls us away from our old way of thinking, calls them and us to kingdom thinking. You see, the, the life to come will be the work of Almighty God who is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ever ask or even imagine. As the Apostle Paul writes in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he says, listen, I will tell you a mystery. We, should, we will not all die, but we will all be changed in, the, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last <coughs> trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Living, imperishable, changed. We do not know all the details, but we do know that in life and in death, we belong to God. We know that eternal life will, will be different from whatever we can dream of, from our puny imaginations, because it will be life as God wills for us. And we know that those who have been oppressed will be set free. Those who have been treated as inferior will be raised up and called beloved. We know things will be better. As Paul writes in the third chapter of Galatians, in Christ Jesus, we're all children of God through faith. As many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, clothed ourselves with Christ. There's no longer, Paul said, there's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female for all of us. All of us are one in Christ Jesus. And for that we can say, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to borrow words from Paul. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, God may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.